This is Travis here with the Fit Dad Club podcast with Jason Barrett. I hope we are all feeling fantastic today, guys. Today, we are talking plateaus, how to break plateaus, how to know if you're in a plateau, and how to actually get your results. Because, you know, I, I guess so many people start and, you know, they start losing a bit of weight and all of a sudden it stops. And I don't know what to do from there. What happens when I lose that first four or five kilos and I stop losing weight? And I think there's a couple of things in that. If you're only eating clean, you know, do you eat cleaner? And I don't know what that means. Or if you're, you know, training and you're not tracking your weights and, you know, do you just track harder? Like you need to be understanding the numbers. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what we're going to delve in today because what we measure in life and anything in life, we get to manage. And we're going to talk about the numbers you must be managing, how to manipulate those numbers to actually break through plateaus and how to actually know if you're in a plateau, because I think a lot of people change shit too early <laughs> and um, because they're actually not in a plateau. They just think they are because they're focused on one number and not the right numbers. So after that, you know, long intro, Jace, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm uh, about to go into a deload, uh, tracking my weight religiously as well as my macros and my calories. So I know I'm, uh, I know I'm not plateauing and I'm heading in the right direction. You know, there's a, there's, there's hint number one for everybody. Exactly, mate. hundred percent. And I think the, the first thing I think I want to discuss today is how do you know if you're in a plateau? And I think, you know, so many people come to me and even, even after they start, I have to stress to them. It's like, oh, my weight's in a plateau. I was like, okay, how do you know? It's like, well, when I do my weigh-in on Fridays, it's not going down. And it's like, well, how long it hasn't gone down for? It's like, it hasn't gone down for two weeks over the last two Fridays. Okay, well, are you only weighing yourself once a week? That's, that's the key thing there. And if they say yes, I was like, well, well that's issue number one. You're only, you have one data point on two days over 14. And I think the key thing here is, when we're looking at tracking weight, as far as weight loss goes, um, we should be looking at tracking our weight on the daily basis. So if you're just weighing in on Fridays or you're just weighing in on Monday, you could have had, um, you know, essentially higher carbs the day before, which is going to bump glycogen, which bumps weight. You could have been retaining fluid from stress. You could have done a million different things that bumps weight up. You might not have shit for three days. Who knows? Um, but when we yeah. look at it, you could be backed up and you're like, oh, my weight was the same this Friday as last Friday. And it's like, in reality is, you know, we need to weigh on the weekly because what we look at, you do every single day with your weight. We divide that by seven. And that's your weekly average. Now, if your weekly average is staying the same for two or three weeks, then yeah, okay, cool. Your weight might be at a plateau. And then the second thing we look at with weight is I always look for a weekly low. Are we hitting a weekly low out of the seven days? And is our seven-day average coming down? But again, weight is one of the data points that we look at to make sure that we are going in the right direction. That is just weight. That is one data point. And we can manipulate that quite easily to make sure weight keeps coming down. There's two other data points that we look at. And Jace, I'll let you discuss one of the other ones we're looking at as well. Yeah. So the other two things that we tend to look at, um, my favorite one to look at for most people is going to be measurements. So circumference measurements, looking at getting like a sewing tape out. And ideally we're looking at around the nipple lines, around your chest to see, you know, is that either staying the same or if you've got a lot of excess fat, you know, 
shrinking. You know, ideally we want to build more muscle in the chest, but it all depends on your individual proportions too. Um, going around your belly button, that's going to be a big one for most people, right? Your belly button's not good. If you're losing fat, your belly button is, the circumference is going to come in, right? That's going to be one of the last things that, that keeps on shrinking. Into, if you're not losing centimeters on your belly button area anymore, you're probably already pretty lean. Um, and then finally around your hips, right? Those three measurements, if you can get around that sort of the biggest part of your bum, you look at that circumference as well. Those three will give you a really good indication for a lot of people, especially getting started, they're training hard, they're getting in the gym, they're lifting weights, a lot of them for the first time or the first time in a long time, their weight might not be the only thing that changes. Their they, they weight might just stay stagnant and they might think, oh, I'm in a plateau because my weight hasn't changed. Well, your chest measurement has maybe gone up or come down a little bit. Your belly button's gone down a couple of centimeters. So have your hips, your weight stayed the same. You're probably in a place where you're gaining muscle, either regaining muscle that you've lost or gaining muscle for the first time. And muscle weighs more than fat, right? You might be going through what we call a recomposition where you're gaining a little bit of muscle, losing a little bit of fat. So your weight stays stagnant, but your body composition is improving, which is what we're looking for. So if you have the, the sort of outside indicator of the measurements, right? Cause weight only tracks, you know, it only tracks one thing. It's one data point. It's one uh, whole body thing that includes weight, includes water, includes fat, includes all the other random stuff, you know, the, the poo in your system going on. Um, you know, have you peed yet in the morning, right? Have you got a full bladder? Did you drink more water the night before? Um, all those things are affecting it. Whereas the measurements give you that extra little bit of confidence to know, hey, this is a, a again, a measurable thing, something that we can look at. I wouldn't do it daily. I'd do it at least weekly, but it's something that you can track and measure that is going down. But again, you might need to consider the third aspect, which is photos and progress photos, because you might be bloated as well. There's been, I know Trav's coached me for a while and there's been plenty of times where he's like, you're looking leaner, but your stomach still is just sticking out. It looks like you're bloated and it was like a stressful time. So I was like, yeah, I'm probably like holding onto some water, bloating a little bit in the stomach, not digesting as well as I could because stress plays a factor. So combining all three of those, if finally looking at that, you're looking at your weight, you've got your daily weigh-ins, you've got your weekly average, you've got a weekly measurement that isn't coming down or isn't really changing, and you've got photos that show that you're not really shifting the, the weight, you're not getting any leaner, that's when we might say, okay, you're in a plateau. Now we can look at strategies to break through that. 100%, mate. And I think I lean whenever I'm coaching uh, people on... One, we always have to be doing all three measurements to understand what's actually happening. But each of the measurements for me matter more at different periods of the transformation process. Why well, lean on a little bit more? So when we're looking at the start, yeah, we want to have those initial data points with the photos. And we also want to have the initial data points with the measurements. But, you know, if I'm looking from week one to two and you're 30 or 40 kilos overweight, your photos are going to look very similar. Um, you know, you're 140 kilos and you go down to 135 kilos, you look, you still look overweight. Um, it is what it is. Um, and if your midsection is 120 centimeters, um, and you know, it, it might not come down as much in the first couple of weeks, or it might come down a bit and then it will sort of plateau for a little while because when we're losing fat, generally, we've talked about this before, we're losing around our face, we're losing around our arms, we're losing around our, our traps. And that's this, there's this initial weight loss isn't all around the gut. So. If we look at it, I lean a lot on the front end as far as weight at the start of a body transformation because I want to see that 1.5% of total weight coming off or 1 to 1.5% weekly. So if you're 100 kilos, you're losing about 1 to 1.5 kilos per week, somewhere in that ballpark. And then after the first month, I kind of lean a little bit more into the measurements because I want to make sure that 
you know, for guys who are carrying, most guys um, carry a fair bit around the midsection. Um, and if you're above 100 centimeters on the midsection, I really want to make sure that our midsection is coming down by at least one centimeter a week. Okay, so we know if we're at 100 and we want to get down to 90, um, that means that, you know, we're going to be 10 weeks and we'll get that 90 centimeter mid mark, which most guys, not all, but there's a, if you've got a little bit of a larger frame, Somewhere between about 88 to 90 centimeters, you should have a bit more of a V-taper. Jace has a smaller frame than me, so his is not 88 to 90 centimeters. So a lot of my guys will be somewhere around the low 80s, but um, if you have a larger frame and you're a bigger dude, it'll be like high 80s. And I can sort of estimate that whenever I'm coaching people, but I lean more into the measurements in the mid, in the mid part just to make sure that's coming down. And then you're going to get to a point where you have this sort of V-taper and you're getting quite lean and you know, your midsection isn't going to come in anymore and your weight's not going to change dramatically either. Um, so then we look at those photos and we really on those, the, the last like four to six weeks, like really getting those abs out, the midsection will probably hover and hold, um, you know, within a half a centimeter to a centimeter. And it's not going to move down as much. And if you're only looking at the centimeters, you're like, oh, I'm in a plateau. And if you only look at the weight, it's not going to come down as much. And you're like, oh, I'm in a plateau. But all of a sudden, Every single week, visually, you can see more definition through your abs. So mm. it's like we need to do all three. So if we see if we're actually in a plateau, and then we need to know which one are we truly looking at at the part of the transformation that you're in, which is giving us the true indicator of, yeah, are we pushing forward? And I think, you know, and then the last thing, like, are you in it? Like, is your strength progressing? Right? Like, you should be tracking the amount of weight. When I'm looking at anything, it's like, are you lifting more in the gym? And if you are, it's like, fantastic. Well, you're still not in a plateau um, if because we might not be even looking at body composition, right? You know, we could be getting stronger and we could be adding lean muscle mass. So I think it's like when I look at it, it's like total volume for the week. We measure that. We look at, you know, as far as that body composition and body transformation, we look at measurements, photos, and weight. And if they aren't shifting for two weeks, okay, then we will make a change. But to actually make the change, we need the next set of data points, which is, uh, what I look at is like the lead measures, like the, the measurements, the weight, the measurements around the midsection or the tape measurements and the photos, that's a lag measure. So that's essentially what happens after we follow the protocol. The lead measures to make sure the lag measures on, on point is our steps, our training, you know, our volume in the gym, making sure that we're getting our adequate sleep. It's like if we're tracking these lead measures and the lag measure isn't moving, so we're not getting the body transformation we're after, then we can change the lead measures. We change the calories or we change the steps or we change the cardio, we change the training um, regime that we're doing. So if we aren't tracking any of these things, these lead measures, then you're going to be in a plateau for the rest of your life because we have no idea. It's, it may as well go down to a um, someone who's going to read your palm and they can tell you what to do, right? Because it's going to be just hey, as much of a guess. I was going to say, don't knock that. My wife, she did a really accurate palm reading on me. Don't you worry. Uh, You're going to live yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, you're 100% right. Those leading indicators that people don't, uh, they refuse to track and they wonder why they're not making any progress. But um, this is like, it's like if you remember, you know, algebra and maths back in the day, you've got to control for as many variables as you can in order for you to know if you're plateauing or not, right? There, there might be, um, there might be a number of different issues going on, whether it's with your food, your sleep, your training, whatever. And the more you can control those things, because some people say, oh yeah, no, nah, I wasn't sleeping good and I didn't really get in the gym and I was a little bit less active and I, I don't really track my food. It's like, well, what the fuck kind of results are you expecting? 
from mm. this slapped together method that you've got going on. Whereas if you have your four sessions, five sessions in the gym, whatever it is, if you're hitting a minimum amount of steps and you're consistently doing that, then you know if you're off for a week, oh yeah, I know because I'm tracking everything. I didn't quite hit my steps that week. I was a little bit lazy. I was probably about like 1,000, 2,000 steps a day under. That can really make a difference over the course of a week. So the more variables that you control for, the more control you'll have over the result, the more awareness you'll have in, in knowing whether or not you're in a plateau. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. There's a big stigma around tracking calories for a lot of people. It's like, oh, I don't want to be too obsessed. I was talking to a guy um, two days ago. He's not a client of ours. I was just doing this guy on Messenger and I was trying to help him out because I got tagged in a post. And I was like, hey, I normally help people out just with a bit of free information anyway. And he's like, I really want to still drink a couple of beers and I want to get ripped. Okay. And I want to drink a couple of beers down. I was like, dude, you can definitely still do that. I was like, all you need to do is making sure you're tracking your steps and making sure you're getting that in point. Um, you need to make sure you're doing these measurements. Like we just talked about before, we need to make sure that we're training in the gym or we're tracking our volume and we need to track calories and our protein intake. It's like, Oh, I don't want to track my calories and protein intake. Cause I don't want to get too obsessed. I was like, mm. he was actually a trader. I was like, all right, well, you know, when you're, making trades and it was a day trade. If you're making trades, right? You're knowing when to buy and you know when to sell and you're trying to make profit. Like it's very numbers driven, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, and you want to make money as a trader? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, would you just randomly open up the exchange you're trading on and just buy and sell random stocks at random times? He's like, of course not. That would be stupid. I was like, that's the same as eating, right? If you just start eating random amounts of food and trying to eat healthy, then you have no understanding of what the input is so you don't know if you're doing it right or wrong, okay? Unfortunately, you know, for those who are people who are trading and they start buying random stocks and you probably go broke. Um, but at the same time, frustration will kick in if you're eating random food and you're like, he was in a plateau, this guy. He's like, I'm in a plateau and I don't know why. I'm actually eating clean. I was like, yeah, you're eating clean. You know, eating, when I say clean, it's not, like washing his food with Dettol is like eating, you know, chicken and broccoli. Um, but I was like, yeah, there's air can, quotes around the clean for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, but I'm like, mate, it's very, very simple to still overconsume clean foods, right? Like, oh, I had some healthy um, energy balls, protein energy balls. Like, yeah, dude, like you had three dates in them. You know, you had protein powder, you had carob nut, you had nuts in there. It's like those protein balls, like 300 calories a ball. And you had two of them every single day. It's like 600 calories. So if we look at it, it's not obsessive to track your calories at all. And there's a lot of ways where we can make tracking calories easy. Okay. So, you know, it doesn't have to be every single moment you, you are tracking on your phone, everything you're eating. And it's not an obsessive thing. It's like, okay, we'll eat one of two breakfasts. You know, they're, they're both 300 calories, eat one of two lunches, and then like have five to seven dinners that you kind of eat. You kind of know the calories. So it's like, there's loose tracking. Okay. Which is following a, a bit of a meal guide that you can create. And then it's really just tracking the calories inside those meals once. And then you know what it's at, um, within a hundred calories. And then there's very, um, rigid tracking where we're looking at being more specific and we're not going through different meals, but we're going, okay, I'm going to have 200 grams of chicken, 200 grams of broccoli, 100 grams of rice. And we're more specific. We're not making meals. We're just breaking down our protein, fats and carbs. But either way, we need to track because if we can track our food, it's not obsessive, it's disciplined. That means you're putting the time and effort to know how many calories you're putting in your body. And then we know what we need to change. And I think that is the most crucial thing. Like the energy we're putting into our body, we need to understand what it is. And then also the energy we're, we're putting out of our body, you know, just going uh, from 7,000 steps a day to 8,000 steps a day on a daily basis. 
It's an extra 7,000 steps a day, 7,000 steps a week. That's a whole nother day of walking, right? That's four days extra walking every month. And you don't think about it like that, like that extra 1,000 steps a day because it only takes like 10 minutes. But that extra 10 minutes a day to get that 1,000 steps is giving you every week a whole extra day of walking, which is going to dramatically shift our body composition. And we can go to 8,000 to 9,000 and keep going like that when we're looking to break through things. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you need to know, one, are you in a plateau? And two, we need to know before we make any type of adjustments, what can we adjust? Because if you're not tracking your calories, well, we don't know what to adjust. If you're not tracking your steps, again, we don't know what to adjust. If you're not tracking your training program, again, we don't know what to adjust. Because one of my guys, again, another example, um, he wasn't tracking his volume. He was just submitting his workouts. And, you know, he was eating his calorie deficit and I was bringing his calories down. He'd lose a bit and he'd really plateau and he wasn't, you know, getting lean. He was just getting smaller. And I was like, mate, like after harping on about it for months, I was like, mate, I need you to track your volume in the gym. So I need to know what weights you're lifting. And he was doing like six kilo dumbbell bench presses. And it was like three months in. I was like, dude, like your training stimulus for like eight to 10 reps. Like, no, hundred percent. Like my four-year-old can outlift you. I, I think we need to, <laughs> like, the, the, That's the, a good way to put it. Um, I think the, the issue is, like, you're training, like, you, you may as well just go shopping. Like, go with your wife and yeah. go shopping. Um, because, you, you, yeah, 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 literally, go get, go grocery shopping and start farmers carrying those grocery bags. You burn more <laughs> calories. Um, because when, when we're looking at it, like, your training stimulus has to be high enough to actually get close to those two reps in reserve that we talked about in the training a couple of podcasts ago. So we need to be close to failure to create the stimulus that's going to create that lean muscle mass to get that lean look. So we don't become just a, a from a fat person to a smaller version of a fat person. We don't want to be skinny fat. No one wants to be that. We want to be lean. We want to be strong. We want to be fit. So again, tracking our volume, I was like, dude, okay, we're 100% tracking our volume from now on. And I need you to stop lifting six kilo weights, okay? And then we're going to start training with a correct intensity. And all of a sudden, then he started changing. And we didn't even have to change his um, his nutrition anymore or his steps even any further. And it was, I was like in this kind of mental blank because I didn't have all the data. Like I didn't have the data. And I was pressing him for months for the data. And finally, I was like, dude, I can't keep coaching you unless you start giving me this. And he started tracking his data. We started, started pushing him properly as far as going, I need you to do this better. I need you to lift more. You have a, you're a male. You're, you're a male uh, man who was in his 40s. I know you can lift more than six kilos. Um, and he started pushing yeah, the weight Where's that dad strength? Dad <laughs> yeah, exactly. Strength is a thing. I know. And then because of that, he started to change because he started pushing up his volume. He started to develop a little bit more lean muscle mass and his body composition shifted. So we have to have those data points on the front end to go, yes, you actually are in a plateau. And when we know you're in a plateau, that's when we can start to manipulate the variables to get us through it. Um, so, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, I think that um, as, as for people who don't track uh, and who, you know, I mean, obviously there are people who have, um, aversions to that and, and it brings up a lot of stuff for them around being too controlling and perfectionism and that kind of stuff there's obviously a small section of the population and the question becomes like is tracking does tracking make people obsessive or does it just lead more people who tend to be more obsessive like that kind of thing because they can get into the data and the details so tracking mm. doesn't make anyone obsessive right there's i love the quote it's um uh, obsessive is the word that the lazy use to describe the dedicated because you know oh i can't believe you're just tracking me it's like look it takes me no energy 
to do it. It takes me no effort at all to just go into my app, type in the food, roughly track the numbers and get it in there. Like it's not mm. an issue. It's the same thing for tracking the weights in the gym. And the difference between, as Travis was saying, tracking and not tracking is, is giant. And when it comes to people who, for whatever reason, you don't want to, you're fully against it, then you've got to have other cues that you're tracking, right? If you don't want to track the numbers, you've got to track some kind of feeling. Like, for example, in the gym, it, regardless of the numbers, right? We could obviously objectively say six kilos is way too light, but there's then got to be that two reps in reserve mentality of, could I only get one or two more reps out? If I'm not leaving the gym feeling relatively smoked, and if I'm not at the end of each set feeling like, fuck, I felt that and that was like hard, then that's your mental cue of, okay, cool. Maybe I need to up my intensity. Maybe I need to adjust something in the gym. Same thing for, um, I guess, being comfortable with your your meals and your food. Some people are like, oh yeah, I'm starting, some of my guys are like, oh yeah, I'm starting to feel a bit hungry. I'm like, good, you're meant to be. This is basically controlled starvation. If you don't feel a little bit hungry at certain points, you're probably eating too much, right? I mean, there are some guys who are like, fuck, this is more food than I've ever eaten because they were used to just eating crap. Um, and now they get to eat more food and still lose weight, which is amazing. But after a while, your body adjusts to that volume of food. You start to get a little bit better. You, you're going to have to look for those little cues of, am I even starting to feel hungry anymore? Am I even starting, oh no, I'm not really. I'm feeling pretty full all the time, right? Well, maybe you're eating a little bit too much. We need to adjust that. But th that's just a little tip for those people who don't want to go down the tracking route for whatever reason or or you know don't have that capacity or whatever it is but there's still going to be some physical cues that you aim for even if you're not tracking your volume you've got to leave the gym you've you got like you've got to leave the gym pretty exhausted you want to be getting a lot of energy out in there you want to be like oh fuck i felt that right if you're walking out of the gym you're like oh i could do that again yeah you're not you're not doing it right <laughs> Yeah, man. I think when we look at it, like before we, again, like before we tell you exactly what to do to break down um, and bust through these plateaus, it's like, why do we plateau? It's like, no, I'm tracking my calories. I shouldn't be losing weight. I was like, well, if you were a hundred kilos and you were eating, let's just say 2000 calories a day, and then you, you got to 90 kilos and you've lost 10% of your body weight and we're still eating 2000 calories a day. Well, do you think a smaller version of you requires less calories to still lose weight? I would say yes, because your metabolic rate is lower. Your total daily energy expenditure is lower. Not carrying that extra 10 kilos around means you aren't burning the same amount of calories. So we need to readjust our calorie deficit. And generally speaking, this is like just a generalization. So please don't come at me with this. Every five to six kilos, um, we do need to make a bit of a calorie adjustment. Okay, uh, so if we're looking at like 100 to sort of 94, 95, we'll probably have to make an adjustment from like that 94, 95 down to like 88, 89, we'll probably have to make an adjustment just to keep that difference of the calories out versus the calories in to continue the fat loss. And to lose a kilo of fat requires about a 7,700 calorie deficit. So if we're trying to lose a kilo a week, we need to try and be in a thousand calorie deficit a day. Now, as you get smaller, you probably don't want to lose a kilo a week. We need to lose a bit less. Um, so, you know, the calorie deficit will change. But when we're looking at this, guys, your calorie deficit will get squeezed as you do lose weight. So then what you need to do and what we're about to talk about is how do we still keep that calorie deficit? So, you know, we can either, you know, look at ways to increase our output which is going to keep that sort of thousand calorie deficit a day if that's what we're going for, or we need to decrease our input to keep that thousand calorie deficit a day to an extent as well. So I think it's understanding no matter what, if you're looking to lose more than like four or five kilos, you know, and you are willing to lose 10, 20 or 30 kilos, you will have to make over a space of, you know, 20 weeks, somewhere in the, the realm of, 
you know, four to five adjustments. Every four to six weeks, we'll tend to look at making an adjustment to break someone through a plateau, but it's making sure that we, we use the right tool at the right time in the right context for the person and their constraints. Because if you are working 50 hours a week and you're only sleeping six hours uh, and you don't have more time to train other than, you know, four, um, 45 minute sessions a week, I'm not going to start telling you to train extra two times a week. I'm not going to start saying, okay, now you have to find three hours a week for walking. Like it's just not realistic. So the tool you use to break through the plateau has to be in context with the constraints that are inside your life. And that's why coaching is such a relationship with the coach and the client to make sure that we deploy the right tool at the right time for the right person. And it's not a blanket approach for everyone. I think that is just another, just a crucial aspect that you look at because, um, you know, it, it, that's why the conversations matter. And we generally know based on these data points where we can move the lever because it's all a bunch of levers, right? Which lever to move or do we move multiple levers just a little bit so we can get the same result as well? Mm, that's a, it's a, it's an individual thing, as Trevor was saying. So you might have a lifestyle that's way too hectic. You might be someone who feels starving, even though you're eating chicken breast and rice and broccoli. And so dropping calories, it's probably not going to be the best thing for you, right? It might be you need to in into, uh, introduce more uh, more fidgeting in your day, right? And more conscious little little time. And it, it's a legit thing, right? You know, you got to consciously sit there and bounce your leg, or uh, or you know, get a stand up desk and play, play with a mini skateboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. play uh play play tech deck right um all, all these little things that you can do to increase your expenditure right make love to your wife more often do all the all these things right um yeah if you're allowed to i don't know how some people's marriages work but uh, like play with your kids pick them up more just put more energy and intent and there's there's two manipulated uh variables when it comes to or two main ones when it comes to exercise and movement is going to be time and intensity so you can either do something for a longer period of time or you can bring a greater level of intensity to it so you know you might go for if you've got the same 10 minutes you can either go for a walk or you can go for like a speed walk right like kath and kim and get the the little weights in your hand and go for that right like uh, probably don't have to go to the extreme but putting more intensity into your walk and into your um your pace right so you're actually going for a bit of a power walk will burn more calories and those are the sort of the variables that you need to look at manipulating and that's where obviously a good coach will come in and be able to say hey we just need to bring a, maybe a, yeah maybe it's a bit more intensity to the gym maybe that means we need to switch up our workout because you know maybe it's getting stale like i know i'm at, i'm coming to the end of an eight week training block now um which i'm very grateful for because it has bulgarian split squats in it and fuck nah, nah not eight, eight weeks of them and just getting to the max point is not fun because you max out on one leg and then it's the other leg but you um exercises get stale right no one wants to go in and do the same shit over and over and over and over again yes there's an element of needing to do the same stuff to progress but you might just need a bit of a switch up you might just need to do some more um fun workouts that you really enjoy that uh that you know involve different activities and different movements that might be one way of switching up and giving you a better intensity because you're just going in doing the same old same i was like oh i've got a bit of variety there's a bit of novelty to it it um it excites you so you either need to manipulate your time or you need to manipulate your intensity in the gym in and um in your movement to get the most out of it because otherwise it's just going to kind of stay the same. Mate, 100%. I think, so if we're looking at a variable and it's like, okay, you have plateaued, okay? You've plateaued and we're like, okay, how do we break through this? It's like, okay, well, cool. We, we have done this. Um, 
well, I normally have a conversation and I can see by their tracking as well. So it's like, okay, well, I know we're at enough calories. And if you're eating like, say, 22,000, 2,200 calories, let's just decrease it by 10%. We've gone from 2,000 calories to 1,800 calories. And I know based on your food volume that we can manipulate a few things. And if they're tracking their food, it's like to get us down 10%, get to 1,800 calories, might just keep our protein still about 1.82 grams per kilo. So that stays the same. Maybe fats stay the same. We just bring our carbs down. If I'm looking at your week, I'm like, I would just decrease like a hundred grams of the sweet potato there. And I would cut about this here and I would sort of talk someone through exactly how to decrease their calories and how they can still feel full whilst on a calorie reduction. Now that's just one simple way. If I take from 2000 calories down to 1800 calories a day, what we look at is it's two it's a 10% reduction across seven days. I think this is the biggest thing people have to look at. So that means when we're looking at it, we're decreasing our calories by about 1400 calories a week. Um, now that, that I can then have that conversation with them, so we can go 1400 calories across the week, which is just 200 calories a day. Would you like to do that? Or we can go, you know, down to, you know, 1900 calories a day for five days of the week. If you want to do that, knowing that Monday to Friday, we've saved 500, then we need to have more of an aggressive, um, reduction and we have to go like 1500 calorie or 450 calorie reduction on the Saturday and Sunday, for example, if that works for you, you know, you do you, but it's a conversation going, we need to redu reduce our calories by 1400 a week. How would you like to reduce them? You know, we can go down to like, you know, two days of, you know, 1450, if you like, or 1500, and that can be Monday and Wednesday, or, you know, maybe three days, and it can be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you keep the 2000s across the board every other day, you're still even the 2000 calories a day, you're still feeling full, and we're going really, we're going really well with that. And I would generally um, add in some form of modified fasting when we start to get towards lower calories. So normally, not normally around that 2000, 2200. If we're eating that sort of 17, 1800 or 16, 1700, again, anyone out there listening, you're like, oh my God, you're, you're killing people, you're giving them low calories. They're like, no, dude, like, if someone is literally like 67 kilos or 70 kilos and they've got five kilos left to lose, everyone's different. Their, their steps mm -hmm. might be different. So this isn't specific calories for people to start doing. It's context or uh, it's, it's depending on the person, depending on the activity levels, depends on their lifestyle. So if we're giving them a reduction, you, I could literally talk to some of my guys and say, okay, we are going to do a 24 hour fast. Okay, it's not the true, you know, the true normal 24 hour fast, but it's like, okay, you're gonna have a protein shake and water at breakfast, you're gonna have a protein shake at lunchtime with an apple. So inside that, what we're looking at, um, we're, what we're gonna be doing is that's like 300 calories across the week there. And then from that, from the, in the morning, and then we're still gonna have, you know, 800 calories throughout the day. So we're gonna have a 500 calorie di dinner. And we've all of a sudden just chopped a thousand calories off that one day going from 1800 down to 800 and you know, the rest of your days, you know, just, just, you do you just keep it the same. And that can be a, another approach. So again, one size does not fit all. Um, and if someone's always really hungry, that approach wouldn't work for them. But some guys were like, nah, just chop me one day. I can focus on that on Mondays, Tuesday through Sunday, keep me the same calories and I'm good to go. So again, you have to understand what would fit you best, making sure we're still hitting our protein content. And that is decreasing our calories, which will start to push us forward. And I think the other one is another easy one is um, increasing our steps. And Chase, I'll let you talk mm -hmm. about that.
Yeah, and it's it's the biggest thing for most people is actually scheduling it in in the day and having an intention to get the steps done. And as we've talked about before, a thousand extra steps a day is another entire day of walking. If you're walking seven thousand steps a day, increase it to eight thousand. It's like you've walked another day, right? And the that's where majority of our fat burning is actually going to come from is that general body movement, that general fidgeting, that general activity, walking. You're not gonna you don't burn as much in the forty five minutes to an hour in the gym as you do throughout the rest of the week doing that steps just doing your general movement. So if you can either schedule in, and, and this might be like adding five minutes to each walk that you do or adding three minutes to each walk that you do, right? Let's say you do four walks a day. You add three minutes to it. Let's say one minute of walking is about a hundred steps for the average person. So um, that's 12 minutes of extra walking by adding three minutes to each walk that you do in a day. That's an extra 1200 steps, right? Quick maths, right? My brain works good. It's all that algebra. But you, if you if you just extend a walk slightly, it's going to give you more steps, right? It might be adding in a complete another walk. But the the fundamental is that most people don't actually schedule in time in their day to intentionally walk or move. Um, what we used to do a lot when I was working in an office, we would go for a morning walk to go grab a coffee and then go for a lap around the block. And then we'd go for a lunchtime walk to the IGA to, you know, grab whatever, you know, and, and grab some food or grab drinks or whatever. But it, even if you weren't buying anything, you would always go to the IGA because you just wanted that walk. You just wanted that, that little extra bit of movement. And um, for me, that was also catching public transport whenever I could. Um, that was anytime I had a phone call, I would go and take it for a walk. Like most people they need to incorporate things like a walk and talk as a meeting so you can get more energy flowing, get more ideas going, but also get that movement in. So it might be waking up a bit earlier and just going for a lap of the block to start your day before you get into the car and drive to work, right? It's scheduling that lunchtime break or that afternoon break, you know, just pretend you're a smoker, say, oh, I've got to have a smoke break, right? And then you just go for a walk, right? It's better for your health. Um, but yeah, it's socially acceptable to have a smoke break. Actually, I don't know if it is anymore, but use it as a hack if you need to. Um, just have one of those little, uh, like a vape and just pretend um but either scheduling more frequent walks um scheduling your walks in the first place or extend each walk or each time you do it just by a little bit and you'll find that that will add up over time it's one of those things it's a it's it's death by a thousand cuts right when it comes to body fat you want to do as much as many little things as you can to chip away at it as opposed to one big thing one big workout and then you're done for the rest of the day and you sit on the couch no Right, scheduling some of the stuff that you need to get done around the house, mowing the lawn, gardening, whatever it is that will get you physically moving, right? Vacuum, right? That's going to be one way to get your steps up. You're doing housework, you know, the wife's happy, but you're also getting your steps in. So all of these little things can contribute to your overall daily expenditure. That's not really just solely focused on um, on exercise, right? It's, it's about that daily movement, that daily fitness that we're looking to get up. Mate, I completely agree. I think, you know, I just want people as they're listening right now, just because you're talking about getting an extra thousand steps or I said do a 10% calorie reduction, they, then the problem is a lot of people think more is better. Uh, mm -hmm. And I don't want you to take that away from this podcast today. I don't want you to go, well, Travis said if I hit a plateau and I'm eating 2,000 calories a day, I should do 10% and I'll start my fat loss. What happens if I did an extra 30%? I was like, no, I don't want you to do 30% if you're already in a calorie deficit from your current calorie deficit because more is not always better. We want to lose fat eating as much calories as possible for that current moment. So we take 10% because we know in another four to five weeks, you're going to hit another plateau. And that's when we take the other 10% or that's when we do the extra thousand steps. We don't just like start smashing 4,000 more steps a day and 30% less calories because you're going to fall on your face and you're going to binge and you could binge and it could just completely backfire on you. So we want to have 
the least uh, well minimal viable effort to get the maximal result, essentially. And that's the yeah. biggest focus we want to do for it. So it's like 10% calorie reduction. We know we can ride that out for the next four or five weeks, and then we can make the next one. Or it could be, you know, if we look at an extra 2,000 steps a day, on average is about 100 calories a day burned. Right. So if we go from 8,000 to 10,000, you're burning an extra 100 calories a day. And we were eating 2,000 calories currently. And I'll say this to some people, if I know they've got wiggle room in their steps and you're, you're sitting at 2,000, we need to make a 10% reduction on our calories. I'm like, dude, I know you can go from 7,000 to 9,000 steps a day. So let's do that and let's just go down by 100 calories. Okay. Instead of the 200 calorie reduction, because then it's still giving them that same 200 calorie buffer to push them through the plateau. So you can do a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, and we're still going to break that plateau. So you can mix and match um, these variables or these lead indicators to make sure we're getting that result with that lag indicator. So more isn't always better. It's making sure you're giving the minimal viable effort to get the result you're looking for. So that is a, a key understanding right now, because if not, you keep cutting big amounts, you end up eating like 500 calories a day and you're definitely going to be losing muscle mass and we don't want that either yeah it's it's a long game it's a long-term vision and it it's going to require you might start your cut at 2000 you might finish it at 1500 people are going to have different amounts that they're going to finish on like i probably started my cut around like 1900 2000 and then um for me to get to my sort of sweet spot where i got abs was i think it was ended up being about 15 1600 was was what i finished on and that was um probably, I think at that point probably wasn't getting as many steps in as I could have. Um, I think I was aiming for about 10 K at that point. Um, so there was more in the tank. I was training sort of four times a week, but that was after being on a cut for a very, very long time. And there's a mental toll that that takes on you too. So you've got to be aware that it's psychologically very difficult to stick on very low calories and, uh, and have that be your focus for a very long time. So the more you can ease your way into it, you don't want to go sort of balls the wall straight away it's the same thing with training you don't jump into the gym and go max out right one rep max pump it till you get failure do all these drop sets put all this volume through and then you can't walk for the next week and you can't get any effective training sessions in you you're essentially screwing your progress for the next couple of weeks of of being able to dedicate that intensity you need to take a chip at a time a chip at a time a chip at a time it takes a long time to lose you know it took you 20 years to 30 years to put this fat on it's not going to come off in 16 weeks right you get a lot of it off but it's not all going to come off so you're going to need to play the long game and that means being patient that means understanding that you want to eat as much as you can for as long as you can and still lose weight because psychologically being able to eat more being able to get more food and more fuel in that's going to fuel your activity but if you drop too low straight away, yes, you might lose a little bit more fat, but science has shown that just because you're in a huge deficit doesn't mean it's like, oh, if, if I'm in like a 1500 calorie deficit, right? And I'm going to eat like 800 calories a day. And, and you know, I, I do that every day. It's all going to come from fat. Well, it's like, you're not going to be getting enough nutrients in. You're not going to be getting enough fiber, enough vitamins, enough minerals, enough protein, unless you're on like an all protein, 800 calorie diet, which would still be fucked, right? The farts and your digestion will be gone. Um, unless you're doing something like even if you're doing something like that that's not going to be all um all fat that's going to be a big chunk of muscle mass too because your body can't partition its weight loss like that it can't just, it's not just like oh i'm going to lose a hundred percent of just fat it's just not the way that it is so as close to your the minimum amount required the minimum deficit required that you could be that means you're going to retain the most muscle that means you're going to lose mostly fat and you're going to be able to eat the most during the process so 
again, you can start to see why having a coach is so important because number one, they can be objective. They can look at the data. They can look at the information. They can remind you of all the other variables maybe you're not aware of, or maybe you just kind of forgot about during the process because there can be a lot to keep track of sometimes. So having a coach to keep track of that stuff for you, super important. Um, but also just having someone that can talk you through the reasons why we do what we do because you know, everyone thinks oh, more is better, but it's, again, it's not always the case. So having someone to rein you in when emotionally you get invested, like, no, I just want to smash it and I want to get rid of it all right now. It's like, come on, you've got to take the long game. You want these results for life or do you want these results for 16 weeks and then you want to fucking blow back out again and, uh, you know, repeat the same cycle next year at New Year's Eve when you make the new fucking resolution and don't follow through on that one, right? So obviously that's why we do what we do, you know, hashtag fit dads club, you know, go to fit dash dad.club. Uh, if you're looking for a coach for that kind of stuff, it's what we do. Um, having that outside perspective is, is absolutely vital to breaking through a plateau. Exactly, mate. So we talked about increasing steps. We've talked about decreasing calories. You could also add in some cardio, right? So you're like, Hey man, like I'm doing 8,000 steps a day. I don't have the ability to push it higher than this at the moment, given my constraints and life and all the rest of it. I'm doing, you know, four sessions a week at the moment in the gym. Um, you know, I don't want to eat less. I was like, okay, well let's just do two 30 minute cardio sessions. Like jump on a, on a cross trainer or go for, you know, like a moderate pace run. If you're running for about 45 minutes or you're, you're, I don't like, you can lean on running. I don't mind. Depends on who you are. Um, like I run, but you know, if you want to do low impact, you can go to the cross trainer or the bike. You're going to burn about 500 calories inside 45 minutes. So if we add into cardio sessions for 45 minutes, that'll be an extra thousand calories a week, which again, bumps that calorie deficit. We start losing fat. So again, that's another tool in the tool belt to make sure that we're losing weight. And some of my guys, what I'll do is I'll be like, okay, if we hit a plateau, I'll go, okay, I need you. And if they're like, let's get back into some skipping. And I'll be like, just do 10 minutes of skipping five days a week. And that again, also will break them through a plateau. Again, it's like minimal viable efforts. And because we're tracking everything, I'm like, let's just add in this tool. And then we start losing fat and like, oh, wow, I'm just doing 10 minutes of skipping a day. And I start busting my, my plateau and I start breaking down my fat loss again. So I think, again, we have, you know, cardio, like actual prescribed cardio as a tool. We have our daily, you know, needs or, you know, focusing on our steps as a tool. We have a calorie deficit as a tool. Inside that calorie deficit, we have calorie cycling, bringing calories down across the board the same or certain days lower to keep the other days higher. I think those are the big things. And also sometimes, you know, it depends. We're not, you know, for us, generally speaking, we're not coaching people to get up on stage. And for a prolonged period of time, if you start tracking, sometimes people, I'm not saying everyone, but sometimes people go a bit wishy-washy with their calorie tracking. So adding a variable of like, hey, dude, we're going to go low carb for the next, you know, like focus for the next like three weeks or four weeks. And all we're doing is they can eat the same amount of calories. And yes, if we drop down carbs, increase protein slightly, yes, that's going to give a higher calorie burn because the thermic effect of food from protein is higher. So you burn more of it off through digestion, but not as much of the fact that when people are tracking for a while, they just tend to start to sneak foods back in. They're like, oh, I'll eat a little bit more carbs. Oh, I'll have that little bit extra from my kids and I didn't track it. So if you start to just, okay, we're going to just decrease a specific macronutrient like carbohydrates for the next phase and going to keep our calories the same. What you'll see is, yes, you'll see an initial weight loss um, from you know decreasing glycogen, but you'll see that maintained for the next four weeks because what you did is you narrowed their focus, okay, and you got them dialed in on tracking even again, and you took away 
the, you know, when we look at carbohydrates, and I'm not demonizing carbohydrates, I'm talking about this is a tool, okay? And it's not a tool we use all the time. It's a tool that I use for a specific person that just hyper-focuses them back in and they're eating the protein, fats, and veggies. And all of a sudden they'll start losing weight again because they, it's, it's taken away the food choices that they started to slip back into their diet that they just didn't happen to be tracking. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's very easy to let a little <laughs> thing slip. All right, I'm just gonna have a little cookie. I'm gonna have a little thing of this. But where, whereas if you are able to make, and this is the reason we talked about this last week, why those big blanket diets work, right? Like low fat or low carb or whatever, because it makes it really, it gives you a really simple filter to pass through. Is this acceptable for me right now or not, right? And it just allows you to really easily cut out a hell of a lot of shit. Um, not that it's all necessarily shit, but you know, it's it, like people you're not snacking on, you know, you're not just eating sticks of butter and you're not just eating raw sugar, right? Those things aren't the problem. It's the, uh, it's, it's the yummy creations people make with them. It's the jar full of peanut butter or the, uh, or the, you know, the little cookies that are sitting in the fridge or, you know, definitely not chocolate in the fridge, if you know, Trav, but um, <laughs> we keep all ours in the fridge. It's, uh, it's too hot in WA, but if you, um, if you're tracking for all these variables, sometimes just a, a little, a simple focus, right? Like whether it's focusing on, all right, 30 minutes of just intense cardio, going to get it done or, cutting out one or not cutting out, but really reducing one macronutrient or um, even just focusing on upping the protein at the expense of the other two and saying, you know, you're still getting the same amount of calories, but the thermic effect of food of protein is going to be greater. It's going to be a bit more filling. You're going to have that be your main one. We might chuck that, um, change that by 20, 30 grams, right? That might be the little nudge that you need. And sometimes I, I guess like the final factor looking at as well, outside of things like sleep and stress, because if you are stressed mm. out, you're going to be holding on to water. You're going to be less likely to actually drop the fat. You're going to be more likely to hold onto it and retain it because of the cortisol and the hormones going through your body. Same thing with a lack of sleep. You know, when you're sleeping is when you do a lot of your muscle building and a lot of your fat burning. If you're not sleeping well and you're not controlling for those variables as well, that's another thing to get on track. You might need to take some time to meditate, take some time to, to incorporate some mindfulness, um, go back to the habits and the sleep podcast to go through some of those, those um, tips for that as well if you're struggling. But if your sleep is on point and your stress is on point and you're, you're taking advantage of those things, we talked about those in a whole podcast, then time is going to be the next big one. Sometimes the body will just hold on to stuff. Even when you drop, it's going to hold on, right? What one What's going to change for one person? They might start their cut at one amount of calories and they might go the whole way through on those calories and that <laughs> might not have to change a single thing, right? We call those people lucky fuckers. Um, <laughs> but there's, um, there's some people that are going to have to like cut every three weeks. They're going to like, they're going to hit another stall or they're going to get one drop and then two weeks of plateauing. Everybody's body adapts differently and it's it adapts to different calories differently so it is an individual game it's just going to take time it's going to take time it's going to take tracking it's going to take knowing but the thing is once you've got that information you'll be more informed than 90 percent of people 99 percent of people don't know how much energy their body burns um i recently started I've, I've been experimenting with a couple of different apps and one of them tried to tell me that for me to bulk and me to gain calories i was gonna have to start at 2700 calories now I was before that, and Trav knows this. He's like, I'm a very little eater for my for my height and my weight. Um, my activity level and my my eating, I was eating probably about 1,700, 1,800 calories, and I was maintaining weight. So I was like, I do not need a thousand calorie jump in order for me to start to gain weight. But 
I only know that because I've been tracking my body, because I've been tracking my food. I know exactly how much I need. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to go start doing something stupid. And it'd be the same thing for a cut, but I'm not going to go to start doing something stupid because I have the information. And the more information you have about yourself, the more you can start to learn your own body, the better you can manipulate those variables to get the result that you want. Um, but if you're not willing to do that work, well, that's why you pay someone to do it for you. Exactly, mate. I think, I think that gives us all the tools that we do need, to be honest. It's like, okay, well, one, we need to be measuring, okay? We need lead indicators um, to see if we're getting the lag indicator. Two, we need to make sure the lag indicator is not just tracking one. We need to be tracking a minimum of three, which is photos, measurements, and weight. And we don't just track weight one day a week. We track it seven days a week. The lead indicators we look at are steps, sleep, um, training volume and lifts, essentially, um, calories, and making sure we're tracking our protein. So we're tracking that as well. Now, if we actually are in a plateau, we wait for two weeks. We make sure we're maintaining all these things quite quite well. And it's like, well, you know, did you hit a plateau or are you chronically stressed at the moment? Yes, you are. Okay, give it another week and try some meditation techniques. If you're not taking meditation techniques and you're not stressed, are you sleeping? Is that really bad? Okay, let's get you sleeping. Take some magnesium. Make sure you get back to seven, eight hours of sleep. Okay, you've done those two things. You're not any of those things. Cool. Now we're in a plateau. Okay, what tool do we use? One of the ones we've already talked about, calorie deficit, increasing steps, doing cardio, you know, any of those uh, variables that we do, put them in. Then all of a sudden, next seven days, you're like, bang, smash from a plateau, motivations all time high. And that's why you have a coach because mm. we want to make sure we we front run your plateaus sometimes, like I like to. Um, and also we look at if you're ever in a plateau, we're never really going to be sitting there for long. Because you know that my coach is going to get me through it. And if you don't have a coach to get you through it, you know from this podcast today the tools that you can use to get you through it. But mm. what you measure, you manage. And if you aren't measuring it, you can't manage it. So that is the biggest thing that I must tell you guys. Start measuring those variables. They give you the ability to reuse the right tools at the right time to make sure you break through plateaus and get the results you're after. Um, you know, if you do need help, guys, I know Jay said before, go to fit-dad.club, book in a call. We talk about where you are, where you want to get to, and how we can get you those results as fast as possible um, with given your constraints that you have inside your life because it's not cookie cutter, it's everyone's individual everyone needs different calories everyone needs slightly different programming depending on where your injuries are at and all the rest of it and you know when we look at these variables we're like okay this is the right thing for you and we can roll it out so go to fit-dad.club and you can put in a call for us but man do you have anything else you want to share today no just patience time um give it time you'll get through it um yeah. And just keep focused on the end goal. That's the biggest thing. Just keep focused on where do you want to end up um, and just keep going and, and you know, fight. like if you hit a point where you're like, you know what, I'm actually quite happy with this. Be okay with that. Right. Uh, don't set your sights on getting uh, you know, drug contest lean because it's not going to happen. Um, taper your result to the amount of effort and energy you're willing to put in and the amount of drugs you're willing to put in as well. Um, but other than that, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review and share it with this with a dad who you think could use it. Most definitely. I, I think, to be honest, I was just thinking, the last thing I do want to say to anyone out there listening is if you do hit a plateau and you use a tool and you break through it, or even if you do hit a plateau, so many people give up. Um, they're like, oh, stuff it. I've hit a plateau. I'm going to give up on fitness. It's like, dude, like if you're training, you're training three days a week right now and you might not be getting the results you're after and you're eating quite well and you're eating clean, right? Well, even if you don't move through this plateau, if you continue to train for three times a week for the next five years and 
eat, you know, inverted commas, clean for the next five years, will your life be better off even if you don't change your body composition any further? Of course it will be. So even if you didn't get to that next level of leanness, but you just continued training three times a week and you kept eating healthy and you optimized your energy levels, your life in five years' time is going to be lo- going to be better. Your energy is going to be better. Your life will probably be longer. You'll be on this earth for a longer period of time. So yes, we are talking about breaking through plateaus on this podcast, but I don't want anyone out there to have this, I call it a fuck it mentality when you know they hit a plateau and then they say fuck it and they just give up altogether. Because I'll tell you right now, if you give up right now and you're like, nah, I can't be bothered, can't be bothered tracking, I hit a plateau, I'm just going to give up. In five years time, you won't be where you are you'll be 10 steps behind with energy lower, feeling like you can't lift more than six kilo dumbbells and you'll be struggling. Like, so if anything, just keep moving forward. And it's like, you know, the whole dory, just keep swimming. And I think like you just got to keep swimming on a daily basis. And yeah, if you do want to do it, those use the tools we talked about guys, but that is it for today's podcast. That's it from me and Jace and go to fit-dad.club. If you want to get connected and have a chat, if not tune in for the next episode and listen to the other ones and leave a review guys. Peace out.